Well, I just want to welcome you in the name of the Lord. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chad, and, and uh, my testimony, just really quick, to introduce you to myself. For those who are new, I see some new faces. I was a really good sinner until about the age 16, and I mean really good, not something you're supposed to be good at, but um, I encountered the power and love of Jesus as a 16-year-old. I was at a prayer meeting with a bunch of old people, <laughs> mostly old women, come on, <laughs> and I, I, was, I was seized with the, the reality that God had more for my life at 16, and you know, I knelt down at these red carpet, I guess a little bit like our red carpet over here on the balcony steps, and I just gave the Lord my everything. I just said, Lord, I, you've got to fundamentally change my life. I'm sick of the pattern of a dog returning to its vomit, and I, I don't think I'm the only one that knows that lifestyle or has known that lifestyle. And so God just radically grabbed a hold of my heart at 16, and I'm 35. I got four kids, a beautiful wife who's my... Uh, just a rock in my in our life, in our home, and in our church, for that matter. And um, that message hasn't changed. I believe in the power of God to grab a hold of human hearts. That's why we worship the way we do. That's why we press in into the, the realm of prayer. That's why we preach the word and quote the word and declare the word, because we are just unapologetic that if you can behold and encounter the beauty and power and love of Jesus, your whole life can change forever. And uh, just before we dive in, I just have, this is so, I'm, I'm so short on time already. I just don't care. This is too important of a story as far as like legacy and just honoring my father. Um, a couple years ago, there was this massive gathering called Azusa Now at USC Coliseum. I mean, 70,000 to 90, you know, I don't know, million, lots of hundred thousands, millions of people streaming online around the world. There was this multi-generation denomination. Every denomination, tribe and tongue was there, a bunch of crazy people. At that time, California was in a severe, severe drought. It poured the whole event. So everyone's like, we've been praying for rain, but really right now? And uh, so my dad, Dan Bohai, who is my literal father and spiritual father, was invited to represent the Nazarene church to all these millions of people. And, and, and so he was actually was asked to speak. He had a little slot, um, Lou Engel, and, you know, but the nature of these events is the spirit breathes on this, and then this guy takes 25 extra minutes that he wasn't supposed to take, and that gal, and that ministry, and, you know, the globe is represented, family, at the Coliseum. I was there, but just pouring rain um, all day. And... And my dad's slot was up, and all of our little team that, you know, we're nobody. We're just, well, we're his kids. But um, dad's getting ready. Here's his time slot, and it just passes over it. And, and, and I just remember watching as a son, my father on the stage, by all these global leaders. If I'd named them, you would probably know them. And his time slot passes, and I remember just that feeling of being gutted, like, oh. I mean, he flew first class from Kansas City just for this event, you know, go home. And, 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 and you know, the, the ministry leaders were super sorry and blah, 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 blah. And so we go back and to the hotel. and We don't even finish out the event. We, we streamed the event because we were sick of being cold in the rain. And my dad's a big dude and the chairs were this wide. And so you do the math. And um, 
you know, cool event, amazing event. But we had our hopes up, you know, it was that family thing. Does everyone know what I'm talking about? And you're like, that's why, like, parents hate it when their kids don't get playing time, you know, whatever, on, uh, on the field. So we go back, and then over the next, the last, the last few years, my dad has been just faithful. He's been to 1,500 churches in, like, 10 years. He's been, like, 45, I mean, almost every state. Um, but he goes to small churches of like 10, 20, or big churches of 2,000. doesn't really matter. I've just gotten to see my dad fulfill his call, regardless of circumstance, and how to handle disappointment and hopes and dreams. And as a son, it's so cool to see a dad, to see someone with skin and bone on when Things don't go your way. You don't lose faith. You press in for more. That was really my dad's story. So anyway, this last week, there's this amazing ministry called IHOP, Kansas City. It's a, it's a, Patty knows about it. <laughs> it's an international, global, millions of people are equipped. They've changed, God has used this group of people who've been faithful to cry out night and day for 20 plus years. And I literally mean night and day. They've not stopped prayer meetings for 20 years, 24-7. And so it's this global ministry, uh, you know, not in our denomination per se, although there are Nazarenes and people that, have, that go there and, and that are even on staff. Uh, anyway, my dad, this, this last week on Thursday and Friday, and sometimes they'll have a million people watch streams or conferences. I mean, again, just this global. And anyway, this week, my dad, all I could think of was his faithfulness since that big event. He got overlooked and skipped. Anyway, I got to live stream him preaching on this stage that could, you know, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of millions. And it just was so cool, not because, oh, cool, you know, bigger platform, but the faithfulness regardless of the size of platform. And if that's the case, and I just sat and smiled. I was filming the screen, you know, in California while he's out preaching. And, and you know, and the principle there is that just be faithful. Amen? Be faithful. What, where are you right now? What does God have before you? Crush it. I remember I was young, and, and maybe you think I'm still young, but I was really, I was younger. And uh, one of the highlights of my ministry life was, was I, I got to travel to Michigan and preach with this guy called Dr. Sam Vassell. He's really actually is kind of a big deal in our tribe. Probably will be one of the seven main leaders eventually globally. He's just really influential, the best preacher, and he's Jamaican. So it sounds 10 times better than it probably is, just because. And I preached this message, you know, in front of all these people, this, you know, and I know Dr. Sam Vassell's there, you know, the golden mouth of the denomination. And anyway, we share lunch after the service, and he's very dramatic, kind of just, he's cool, but, you know, you know. Brother Chad, Brother Chad, what a mighty word. And he just starts giving me all these compliments. And, and so, you know, that's kind of cool. <laughs> and then I just began to share with him how I was kind of wrestling. This was several years ago. I didn't know what to do with my life. And I was kind of, should I go here or go there? Should I? It wasn't when I, I, wasn't, I wasn't even on staff here, I don't think. Yeah, it was years and years ago. But he looked at me across the table with his thick Jamaican accent, and he said, Brother Chad, Brother Chad, whatever you do, do it with all your might. 
and the Lord will take care of the rest. I don't know why I'm sharing that today, but maybe someone needs to hear that. I didn't have that in the notes, but wherever you're planted, whatever task that seems menial or mundane or ordinary, if you bring your best, God will bring his best. You show up at that work, you punch that clock with a smile on your face, with your attitude uh, oriented around, I am not here at this role or this juncture or this crossroads or this workplace for myself. I am a kingdom ambassador. How does God want to flow through me to touch this workplace, this environment? And you know what? If you and I would just take that simple posture, wherever you are, bring your best. Oh my goodness. I'm, I have a strong hunch that things just might transform all around you. And maybe more importantly, transform in you so that God can trust you, not with one city, but with 10 cities. How many know that's a kingdom principle? Those who've been faithful with little, we faithful with a lot. If, we, if we're not trustworthy with the little thing that we're called to steward right now, what do you think is going to happen when God pours out his glory and his presence and his more, and you haven't been practicing faithfulness right here? Amen. How many think God wants to trust us to influence thousands and thousands, maybe millions of people? I was just so struck this week as I've been, I, I love to read and I love to run and then I love to pray, praying and thinking about the Lord and that whole rhythm. And I just began to think, the Lord just began to provoke my, my spirit. Son, are you preparing? Are you doing the invisible reps necessary for what I want to pour out on you and your people. And it was this wonderful, sobering conversation. You know, how many, how many know the fear of the Lord is a good thing? It leads to wisdom. It's the beginning of wisdom. When you have that, that awe to realize that what you do in secret, what you do when no one's watching, what you do in the ordinary stuff, that is forming and fashioning you more than you and I can even imagine. Amen. How many, how many want to live a posture of readiness? So should the Lord say, hey, there's not this huge list of regret and remorse and laziness and complacency and assimilation and accommodation that he has to filter through. He finds someone who is, who is trim and who is ready to do his purposes wherever he might want them. And I, beloved, I believe as a church, we can actually, we can live out of that posture. Son or daughter, I need you for this task. Okay, here am I, send me. How many want to live ready? Or how many want to just be like everybody else and just say, just whipped around by life circumstances and difficulties and dead on the inside and then wondering, is this all there is to life? And I want to know, it is, I want to tell you that's not all there is to life, not life in the kingdom. That doesn't mean it's all roses and cherry and no bumps and bruises. You will suffer. It's incredibly difficult. But life in the kingdom is life to the full because it's life that flows through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Okay. So. So, for, so whoever that's, I just pray, Lord, for whoever that was for, as I did my best to discern as I was listening to you, I pray that you would just, Right now, strengthen their resolve. Those who are weary in their inner man or inner woman, I pray that you would strengthen them, Holy Spirit. 
those who are like, is this really all there is, the grind? I pray that you would fill the grind with great purpose. I pray that your presence would be upon them, moving among them and through them in that place. And I just praise you, God, that if we're faithful with little, you can trust us with much. And we just say as a church, we want to be trustworthy. <laughs> Come on, we want to be trusted with changing and, and, and altering the trajectory of a city, of a region, of a nation, of the nations. <laughs> and so, Lord, we just say, Come, rearrange our furniture for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. Hey, so here we go. Quick work. Quick work. We started a series on loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself last week. Jesus called this the most important first or greatest commandment. All the other commandments, all 613 laws that the Jewish people and the, you know, the experts in the law divided it up, 613, heavy and light. Jesus can reach in that huge bag of goodies and pull out one and says, really, it's all about loving God with all of your life, the entirety of your being, and loving people in that same way. Aren't you glad for Jesus? <laughs> and last week, we looked at loving the Lord your God with all your heart, and the argument or the 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 truth that was shared was that in order to even fulfill this first one, to love him with our heart, he's got to change our heart so that we can love him with a heart alive in his presence and grace. So last week, we, many, many people responded. Who, who has a testimony by show of hands that you, this week was different than last week because of your response to the heart, just asking God for a new heart, a new heart. He'll give you a new heart. That's what he's promised. We looked at the good news of monotheism, which is the belief that there is one God. Uh, you know, we think we're so civilized and so progressive and, and, and all those ancient people that worshiped idols <laughs> and their multiplicity of gods, we're no different. How many know that we perpetually bow at some altar or ideology or idol all the time? But the good news of monotheism, here, O oh Lord, the Lord our God is one, is that there is one God overall. So we don't have to live under the tyranny of fear. Did I tick that deity off or that juju or that? There's just one God to live all of life under, named Jesus Christ. Right? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so the good news of, of loving God, the one true God, is that it frees us from this tyranny of, did I do all that I had to do in order to be protected and and provided for and to flourish. The good news is that this, this one God wants to infuse our entire life with his life, with his goodness. We discovered that to experience life as God intended is to have our loves, our longings reprioritized, reorganized around his longings and priorities. And this is where we come to talk number two, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul. So open your Bibles to Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 34, and we're just going to hang out here for just a minute, and we'll have some practical implications, and just really excited about this word today. <clears throat> How many believe that the second you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says you are a brand new creation? That's pretty weak. Who actually believes that stuff? <sighs> That when you confess your sins, he doesn't go, oh, are you sure? I can take care of this one, this one, this one, but this one's too dirty, too hard, too... He can, when you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of 
all of our sins and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. Come on, someone say hallelujah. That when you're in Christ, you're adopted into a new family. When you're in Christ, you have a new eternal destination. When you're in Christ, you have a father. When you're in Christ, you have a bunch of siblings all over the earth that bear the mark of Jesus' love. All of these things are true of you. Say that with me. This is true of me if I'm in Christ. That I'm chosen, royal, holy. I'm God's special possession. I wasn't part of his family, but he brought me in through his mercy and love. I, I, was a, a, I was a prime candidate of his judgment, but because of his mercy and because of the justice of God revealed through the suffering Messiah, I can be brought in, declared innocent, declared clean, declared uh, unashamed, un- uncondemned. I can be declared justified just like I've never sinned. Who believes that's true of you in Jesus? But here's the thing. All of us are clapping, and I set you up to do that, so I'm sorry. It's one thing to know who you are. It's another thing to live out of who you are. Come on, somebody. If you and I just lived out of our new identity from the get-go, we wouldn't, first of all, have a New Testament. Let me explain. The whole New Testament is written to people who have discovered their new identity in Jesus, but their life is still a mess until what is true of them in Christ gets worked into the fabric of their relationships, their finances, their relationship to the world, their personal outlook and themselves. We wouldn't have a New Testament. The whole New Testament is correcting and training and and admonishing and pointing. Live out of who you are in Jesus. And the best example I can give biblically is this. Uh, Paul, you know, he he writes 13 letters of the New Testament. He always writes to the church and he uses the word saint. Everyone say saint. What's a saint? They're from New Orleans, black and gold. Uh, the, the, The new NIV, holy ones. It's so funny. To the saints in fill in the blank. And then he goes... Quit acting like pagans. Right? In every letter. So he calls them holy ones, and then he says, all the ways you're not acting holy, now how to correct and train, get back into the grace of God and live out of who you are in Jesus. Just say amen so I can move past this point. So even though all of these things are true, you're royal, chosen, holy. Yes, Lord, that is who I am in Jesus. I love him with all of my heart, which is like the deepest part, that that identity. But then he's like, I want you to love me with all of your soul. Now, don't think like Greco-Roman philosophy, like the disembodied part of who you are. The rich vision of soul in the Bible is used 700 plus times in just the Hebrew scriptures alone. And it's always, always, always referring to the entirety of your being. It's not just this immaterial substance that's like a ghost or whatever. It's to love God with all of your existence. It's the Hebrew word nephesh. Just go watch the Bible project on it. It's so good. It's only like four minutes. It's perfect. 700 plus times. It actually literally means your throat, the place that you breathe and you take in water and food. This is your nephesh. That's the Hebrew word for soul. So when Jesus says, love me with all of your soul, I think he's saying with what is true of you in your heart, begin to love me with your whole physical bodily existence. Love me with the entirety of who you are. Amen. With all of your soul. 
And we already looked last week. It's, in, it's impossible to love God with all of my heart without him giving me a new heart. And it's impossible to love him with all of my soul in light of all the cravings and the desires and thought processes that are still like, I remember what it was like before Jesus, but now I'm in Jesus. And then you've got the cultural mess out there that says, be what you want to be. Don't let anyone tell you to restrain or to deny anything of your desires. Just be you, dude. And we know that's a lie, because if all of us were just us with no restraint, with no response to grace, it would look really bad. Just you and me. If me and you were in a room with unrestraint, without the grace of God. And so I love you with all my heart. And he says, okay, now I want you to love me with all of your soul. I want to take you on a journey with what I've done on the inside of your heart. Now I want it to be appropriated with all of your life. Goodness, what does that look like? After he's given us a heart of flesh that's alive and pliable and sensitive to his voice, to his word, to his wisdom, to his ways. How many know without the new heart, we're not sensitive to his ways. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. So he's got to make us alive. And then when he gives us spiritual life by belief in his son, he then wants to take us on a journey to appropriate what is true on the inside so that it materializes and manifests on the outside. Oh my goodness, let me put it another way. We are living in the prime time age for the church to live out of her true identity. Where it's not just words, but by the entirety, the expression of our lives, we're bearing witness to another love, to another Lord, to another God. This is to love God with all of your soul. Man, I skipped through all of that. We're cruising. Hey. You are, so Peter does the same thing. Peter was one of Jesus' main disciples. He was a rock in every way. It says this in 1 Peter, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. In this one sentence of which everyone in this room should memorize and then look at the mirror every morning and declare it over your life. I am chosen, royal, holy. I'm God's possession. I'm his people. I've received mercy. I've got a task to declare his praise today. That's one verse, 1 Peter 2.9. So Peter's like, this is who you are in Christ. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's who you are if you're in Christ. The very next verse, the very next verse, verse 11, the very next verse, I love you with all my heart and soul, really. Next verse, dear friends or beloved, those who belong to Jesus, I urge you as foreigners and aliens or exiles in the surrounding culture to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Which one is it? I'm chosen, royal, holy, I belong to God, I've received mercy, I'm called out of darkness, I have a vocation, it's to be a priest, a king of rule and reign with Jesus, but just so you know, what is true of you on the inside, the devil don't go down without a fight. And the reason is, he doesn't, 
He doesn't take us out of the world, so we're still surrounded by all the cultural poles and ideologies and idols and cravings and lust. And then you're dealing with the culture, the former culture of your heart. And so it's almost like I've heard of amputee victims. They have phantom pains. They remembered the limb that was there. In many ways, when you come into come to Christ, if you're not equipped to what it means to love Him with all of your soul, you'll experience a measure of victory. And then you're wondering why are all those cravings and those desires and those longings? Where didn't all of those just go? away and get buried with Jesus? And the answer is, they did, but you've got to stay in victory by waging war, not only against the, the sinful desires, but the, 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 the rampant uh, magnetic pull to just assimilate and be like everybody else. And so when he's saying, I want you to love you with all of your soul, he's saying with what is true on the inside, that if you stay yoked with me, you stay in the fight, you stay in the war, you can walk in perpetual victory. As believers who are adopted into the royal family of Jesus, rescued from the dominion of darkness, redeemed from the clutches of the Satan himself, we are still called to wage war against competing lusts, cravings, longings of our old way of life. Well, can't that just happen to me? Man, I love being in this theologically stream. I believe God can fundamentally change you at the place of cravings, longings, and desires. That will be my tombstone. God can change us from the inside out. Oh, I believe it. But I also believe, I also believe there is a place of maintaining victory by being on the offensive to say, does this desire, craving, or longing find any bearing in the life of Jesus? If not, I don't want it. Does this craving and longing, does it add life? Does it add value to those around me? Does it, does it create a culture of, of, of life and love and hope in my family or in my workplace? If that craving and desire, if I can't find it in him, I don't want it in me. And so, Peter, you're chosen royal holy. This is who you are. You love him with all your heart. Now wage war against that thing, those things that can just try to eat at your soul, which is to say your lifestyle, your attitudes, your appetites. Come on, am I talking to anyone today? Am I talking to anyone today? To love God and to learn to, this is what the journey of loving him with your soul, to love God and to love what God loves. To love God and to love what God loves. Do you know that the beauty of the gospel is it doesn't just rescue you from darkness. It sets you on the path into a kingdom of light where you learn to love what doesn't diminish life but adds life. The enemy doesn't go down with the fight. He, he knows and hates it when he loses ground and pawns in his game to wreak havoc on God's good world and his image-bearing creation humans, people like you and me, he doesn't go down without a fight, but just a little bit of good news and news flash headlines. He's been defeated, doesn't have feet, and disarmed, doesn't have arms. So he's just a nub that says, be like everyone else. What's the big deal? Those cravings, longings, and desires, the next guy has them too, so just give in to them. Oh, you thought all that stuff of who you were in Christ was actually supposed to materialize in an actual lifestyle? It's all just spiritual, man. Forget it. Come on, guys. 
he's defeated and disarmed, but he doesn't shut up. Come on. He doesn't shut up. You, you thought Jesus was actually serious, that he wanted a new humanity? Take it easy, man. It's all grace. It's all grace. Peter says, all those things are true of you, but there is a war at the place of desire and longing, and I want my love to remake you from the inside out. I want you to desire what I desire. I want you to love what I love. And beloved, this lesson is a lifelong lesson. Amen. But how many know there are there is, there is real work that the Holy Spirit can and longs to do in every person and those watching and, and here. He wants to remake us at the place of our cravings and longings and desires. This internal war is fueled and promoted by a cultural narrative and agenda that says, don't let anyone tell you who to be, what to think, what to do. And into this mess... Peter says, don't give in, wage war, wage war, what language, I love that the Bible calls us soldiers in 2 Timothy 2, and in that passage in chapter 2 verses 1 through 3, he says, those who are soldiers, they don't get entangled in civilian affairs, come on somebody, how many know we make a mess of things when we don't live out of that posture of who we If I'm a soldier, then I want to stay alert to the general's voice. I can't be so inundated with other poles and cravings and longings that when he speaks, he has to go through a whole litany of things so that what was a very clear whisper now sounds like... <laughs> Some people just woke up, praise God. I was in college and I read this devotion about the expulsive power of a greater affection. Man, if I, am, if I die for some theological belief, it's this one. That there is a way to conquer the war, not by just forever saying a million little no's, but by saying a really big yes. I will die for that truth. And the way to conquer the war that rages within is to be conquered by the love of God. The best way to conquer the war against your soul is to be conquered by the love of God. He wants to transform you from the loves out. Since you, I love this, he goes on to say, 1 Peter 4, therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude because he who has suffered in the body is done with sin. As a result, they don't live the rest of their earthly life for evil human desires. And it's this direct correlation for those who pay a price for the gospel, be it uh, abuse or, or suffering, that Peter's just, because he's writing to a persecuted church that's scattered, they were kicked out of Rome for belonging to Jesus. And I know in our cultural moment, it seems like those who bear the mark of Jesus that more and more are pushed to the fringes. It's not the time to get grumpy and to complain and to name call. It's a, it's a very sober awakening to say, Am I living out of the narratives and the scripts that the world is, or is God conquering more and more territory in here so that he can actually use me for an agent of change out there? 
It's not the time to go, oh, man. It's the time to say, Jesus, do a deeper work in me so that you can do a deeper work around me. This is what he's writing. This is what Peter's writing. But I love this. Here's what happens, friends, when you begin to love God with all your soul. Because we've, how many know, you and I have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Come on, raise your hand if that fits you. That's verse 3 of 1 Peter 4. All of us, me, definitely, definitely. Living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, carousing, orgies, detestable idolatry. The world is surprised that you do not join with them in the reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you. So Peter's writing to a church of all the things that are true of them in the midst of the war and the surrounding culture. And he's saying, all of those around you, they heap abuse on you because you don't just give in to every whim, wish, and desire. Why? Because if we gave in to every whim, wish, and desire, we would kill every, we would crush each other. Um, So, yeah. And I love it. I love verse 4. They're surprised by that. They're surprised that when people take seriously to love God with all of their soul, they're like, what? Restraint? Self-control? Others' needs above your own? You're weird. Did you know that we didn't have to humdrum something up to be different in the sake of the world. It's just basic. I want to live life as God designed it, revealed in Jesus. I want to experience life in the spirit, life in the kingdom, the only kingdom that will outlast all other kingdoms. And Jesus says to participate in that, I've got to t- we got to have a soul talk. I want you to love me the place of your cravings, appetites, longings, your bodily existence. I even want your attitudes and activities to bear witness that you belong to me. So who right here, who needs help with that one? Come on, I got like four honest people back. Okay, there's some more. The world is surprised when they see people live out of a different story. The world is not surprised. Everyone say not surprised. The world is not surprised by those who confess to live out of a different story but have no material, actual demonstration of any difference. How many would believe that's not surprising? Because that's what all of us do apart from Jesus. Say one thing to another. But in the gospel, there is a way to live integrated. There is a way to say one thing and to actually live that thing. You two are helping me so much. This isn't like an easy word, I understand. The logic of the world is you have only one life, so just do whatever the heck you want. Eat, drink, and be merry. But the lie, the reason why lies are so effective is that all of them contain a little bit of truth. So the cultural lie is, oh, you only got one life, so just unbridled affection, longing, be you, do what you want. The lie is that this life is all there is. This is not all of there is. We are people, we are people who believe in this life and the life of the age to come. And the life we cultivate, loving God with all of our heart and soul, we'll get to mind and strength in the next two weeks. I'm not touching on it. The life we're cultivating by the Spirit of God now is not like Jesus is like, oh, wipe the table. Why would he do that? We're becoming the kind of people we will become for eternity and be like forever. This is Christian 101. It's bad theology to think, oh, just grin and bear your teeth and just pray a prayer and someday. And he's like, no, I want to transform you now into the kind of people that you're going to reign with me forever. Man, 
this is intense stuff. I want you to love me with all of your soul. At the resurrection, it's not like this bodiless angels and harps and singing on clouds. How boring. What a boring future. No, you and I are going to be, if you're in the, in the company of the righteous, you're going to be bodily raised, get a brand new body without the warts and wrinkles and knee pain and back pain. You're going to reign with God. Christianity, contrary to popular belief, has the highest vision of human bodily experience. But we just know that left unsurrendered and restrained and submitted to the the spirit of Christ, if we just let this thing do whatever it wants, it will not only kill us, but all of those around us. And so to love him with all of our soul, fundamental to fulfilling this calling, is to deny yourself so that you can actually find your true self. Well, one of my favorite books, and I'll probably buy a bunch of these for the church at some point, is it's the perfect title. You'll get it already. John Ortberg wrote a book called Eternity is Now in Session. And it's only this thick, and you could read it in like a week if you just read like 30, 45 minutes every day for a week. That's it. Eternity is now in session. Turn to your neighbor and say, Eternity is now in session. It's true, dude. Who are you becoming? From your desires out. Who are you becoming? Who are we becoming as a church? When people walk in here, say there's someone who comes in here who doesn't know Jesus, what would they pick up on by our bodily expression or, or our longings or desires or cravings? Would they see a people that it's so obvious they desire Jesus, his beautiful presence, that have a high value, who desire to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? who desire the gospel not just to be a message, but to materialize through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not just talk, 1 Corinthians 4.20. It's a matter of power. This is just the Bible. You can take it or leave it. Whoa. Jesus is shaping us right now into the kind of people we will be forever. Okay, ending. There's a lot of other good stuff in here. So what is that journey like to learn how to love different things? If if it's always about an issue of what I love and crave and long and desire after, how do I experience breakthrough? Is that a fair question? Say amen. Amen. It's called discipleship. Say it with me. Discipleship. It's the journey of saying yes to Jesus as our teacher to form and train and fashion us into the kind of people that love what he loves. That's discipleship, big fancy word. It's the lifelong call for us to perpetually respond to the grace of God and the truth of God. And as we do that, he transforms us from the inside out. Discipleship. And I love when when Jesus gave the number one sentence for discipleship. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You care to know the Greek word that he uses for life here? Suke, soul. Deny you've got one earthly existence. James calls us a mist or a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. What will you do with your mist? Now, as believers, what you do with your mist really matters because you will be raised, given a new body, and you will be, you're becoming the kind of person you will, you will be forever. Amen. Amen. But Jesus is saying there is another option, and it's super appealing. Believe that this is all there is, and so hold on to your life. You name right and wrong. You decide who you are and how you'll express. And you, 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 you be the God of your own little kingdom and world. And Jesus is saying that is an option. But the bummer is when the time clock is out on that soulish existence, that bodily existence, the time clock is done, your existence is done. You see it here. This is an invitation that's not just, oh, for the select few who want to be disciples. It's for every person in this room watching and watching. If you want to follow me, deny your soul. In other words, the right to live your bodily existence how you want to. Trust me. Through the cross, there is resurrection life and then life to come and then life after abundant life, more life, more life. Do you see the picture? But you've got to, okay. Show me how to live, Jesus. Show me what to love, Jesus. Show me how to flourish. Show me. Teach me. This isn't all there is, Jesus. So for the 30, 60, 80, 25 years I have left in this bodily existence, I want to honor you and bring you glory. This is the call of discipleship to be formed and then transformed by God's grace. And it starts with a choice. That's what we talked about last week. God, give me a new heart. But it's followed up by a million little choices. But there is this call, this fundamental break to deny. The the, the word in, in the language is to have a fundamental break with your old life and lifestyle to receive new life perpetually from Jesus. God wants us to love him with our whole soul, our whole life. So how, how do we respond to all of this? I love this quote from James K. Smith. Discipleship is, we might say, a way to curate your heart, to be attentive to and intentional about what you love. So when I say yes to being trained and taught and schooled by Jesus, He's going to train and shape what I love, how I love, what I desire, crave, and long for. Here's why this is such good news in closing. Think through the end of what every word I'm about to live, think through the end of where that one word would be taken if without restraint or breakthrough or stop. You'll understand The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. So think, that unbridled, unrestrained to its furthest end, where does it take you? Impurity, debauchery, which is just living at your own whims and wishes. Do whatever you feel, whenever you feel it, how often you feel. That's debauchery. Idolatry, 
witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, where does that take you to its intended conclusion? Left unchecked, where does rage take you? Think about it. Selfish ambition, dissensions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, thank soul, your lived experience, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And as I said on this message all week, I'm like, whoa, Jesus is telling me to deny that. Do you hear me? He's telling me to deny those cravings I was born with apart from his grace and mercy. But every one of those cravings will result in havoc for myself and those around me. That's why I just do the list. Sex and bride, where does it take you? Disease, death, unchecked. This is just unbridled. And we see the goodness of God to say there's another way. Love me with all of your soul. Let me refashion your desires so that you can experience this. How's this one? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Come on, who would rather be governed by this lifestyle than the other? Submitted to the Lordship of Jesus and bearing the fruit of his Spirit. So, practical. I just started the keto diet. It's not really a diet. It's like eat a bunch of fats. I don't understand it. But here's what's crazy. I'm going to do the uh, screen share, Justin, just so they can see what I'm doing. Watch this. Here's what's gnarly. Because here's the question. How do I change my desires? How do I love God with all my soul? Because there's stuff that wages war against it. But I know who I am in Christ, but how do I make progress? How does that gap close? Everyone say gap close. That's the whole life. I want the gap to close of who I am in him and who I'm becoming. But how many know the gap can close? So check this app out. I'm freaked out by it. Okay, and don't judge me by what I hate. (laughs) So if you look, first of all, Whoever designed this app has issues. Because they're like, input everything you eat. Like, how much water, how much butter fat, oil, because it's like you got to reach this certain. And I, it's so funny. I'm just showing this to show. So, like, and then the best thing ever is it has a built in scanner. So I can be at the store and scan all the barcodes, and it tells me how much fat to ratio to protein. So I'm like, sweet. So that's calories, that's fat, net carbs, and protein. And the the keto thing is you have to eat a bunch of fat because that gets you in ketosis, so you burn fat. It's just whatever. Watch a documentary. Get over it. But here's the point. Here's the point. So many of us in our Christian life, we're like, I want to be like Jesus, but I don't know how to get there. Am I talking to anyone here today? Come on. Who wants to be like Jesus? Shout me down. Say amen. amen. Who wants to be fit? Thin and trim and muscular. (laughs) Who doesn't? Okay. (laughs) But here's what this stupid little app is teaching me. It's not stupid. I love this app. It's like actually kind of obsessive. I just started day two. (laughs) Shut up. Stop it. (laughs) 
but I got the app. You know that guy that gets all the gear at the gym and like headbands and the, you know, the super whatever. Hey, but he looks like a workout person. Okay, that's me. Okay, that's me. But here's what I realized. What this app does is it breaks down my output goal. Every Christian, because you have the Spirit of God, your output desire is that you would be like Jesus. You know why? He put that in you. He put that in you. But when he says, love me with your heart, okay, give me a new heart. I want to be like you. Yay, I have the spirit of Christ. Woohoo! Now love me with all of your soul. Let what's true of you on the inside begin to materialize in your lifestyle, your appetites, your longings, your cravings. And you're like, oh, crud, I got off the train. But here's what this app is showing me. What you put in shapes and alters the trajectory and path of what will be coming out. So theoretically, if I input the right stuff, what will come out of my life is a life of health, free from disease. Now, let's turn the corner and apply it to our life in Christ. I want to be compassionate. I want to be holy. Okay. What are you responding to the grace of God in and allowing him to put in your life that helps facilitate that desired outcome? For example, let's just say you have this thing that wars against your soul called lust. And you have the terrible habit of which I am not casting stones of watching certain movies that all the time that director always has to have something with sexual something. And you wonder, gosh, I go to church, I read my Bible, but like why does this one desire seem to be out of whack with the other desires that I want for Jesus? That would be a silly, not silly, a very specific intended input-output ratio corollary. I'm sorry I picked on lust. Everyone's like, crap, what did he say? That's what I said. I, 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 and I actually repent for being so silent on it because 80% of whatever I could just, it's, the, the amount of people suffering under shame, under the weight of lust is unbelievable. And we, but we wonder, how do I crave and long for something else? Well, I just want to tell you, it's not as mysterious as you think. What are you putting into your life that's what's going to materialize and come out? I know it was a little bit cheesy. No offense if you loved it. It was actually the, the movie Fireproof. My favorite part of the movie was Kirk Cameron, super passionate, energetic. His marriage is going to fall apart if he doesn't get his lust thing under control, right? I love the picture where he takes his computer and like beats it with a bat. But here, so some of us are like, that's a bit extreme. You're right. There's desires that war against my soul. I'm in a stinking war. And if God's given me simple tools to walk in victory, then I will smash the computer screen. See, the problem is we haven't taken God's call serious enough to our everyday life. We just thought it was all spiritual. He's like, no, I want to rework you from the inside out. I want you to live the life of Jesus and your actual lived experience. And you see, you have this silly app. You know what it taught me? That if I shift the focus, because how many know it can be daunting? I've got to be like Jesus. Oh, how? Like every way? Oh, like loving people? Oh, oh, oh. Like, like, like forgive instead of hold grudges and like, oh, be generous and have a single eye and oh, don't worry, don't fear because the birds are taken care of. Oh, 
Am I talking to any of the saints today? Because you're saints. <laughs> Go two miles instead of one. Oh, I can't even walk one. Here's the deal. What's going in your life? What are you putting in? What are you putting in? Our output vision is to be like Jesus and to see his kingdom break in. That's the big picture. But what are those things, if we're to love them with our soul, the place of desire, longing, and appetite, our bodily, our, what are those things that the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, let's have a talk? What can we begin to not just say no to, but say yes to, to our life? I love it. There was this extensive study. This is a shameless plug. You're right, shameless. There was an extensive study, thousands, whatever, churches. And the, the question was, how do people get formed to learn how to love what is good and to become like Jesus? So all of these researchers, oh, you got to do a little bit of this and pray a little. But then after all of the data was compiled, they had eight output goals. Read your Bible, be a witness, blah, 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 blah. And then thank God later on in the book, they say, but let's just summarize it to three. How many think they can handle three today? Three things. You know, there's this, how do I grow with loving God with all my heart and soul? Three things. It said, by far, these things you input into your life and continue to show up and say yes to, they will take you further in the realm of transformation than anything else. Ready? Bom, bom, bom. It's super. You would never see these coming. Read the Bible. <laughs> and I can't read without praying, so I'm putting praying in there. Because when I read it, I talk to God, and God talks more through the Word, and it's just this conversation. If you agree with me, say amen. Read the Word and pray. Attend worship at your church. And then attend or be faithful in a class, a group, or a small group setting where you can actually apply the teachings of Jesus together. I want to be trim and mean and lean and, okay, what are you going to put in so that your desire for the output, you'll actually get there. And friends, I am so excited for this fall because I, I'm... I am so excited to see us make progress in this realm, learning to love what brings life instead of deteriorates life, learning to love him with our soul, where our lifestyles will more and more resemble the one we confess as Lord. I love this. John Wooden, great quote, the most famous basketball coach in history, UCLA. When you improve a little bit each day, eventually big things occur. Not tomorrow. Not the next day, but eventually a big gain is made. Don't look for the big, the quick improvement. Seek the small improvement one day at a time. That's the only way it happens. And when it happens, it lasts. John Wooden, the winningest coach of all time. So the stupid keto app. Literally, I'm like, what am I eating? Input. Apply that to G infinitely more important. 
What am I putting in and how is it having an impact on my longings, cravings, and desires? And according to this research, I don't know, you know, being in the word, being faithful here, and then plugging into some group together is the best way to have sustained transformation. Stand up with me. Thank you for being gracious. This is so good. I want to love them with all of our soul, with all of our soul, with all of our soul. You guys are so awesome. Thank you. So right now, I just, I just want you to just, if you have a smartphone or a journal, it's so appropriate to get very practical. What, when I do it or put in, is bringing out the colors of Christ in my life? What are those things that when I participate in them, man, there just seems to be an increase of his likeness and love? Do more of that. <laughs> and then ask yourself, I don't, grab, grab your journal. What are those things that in no way are adding value to my life? And then say, God, this week, will you help me? Maybe I could call a friend too. Like John Wooden said, how can we respond to the grace of God this week to put in stuff that can shape and form me to become more and more like Jesus, my King? Father, we pray that we would be a church that loves you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, mind, and strength. That our confession would more and more form and fill our life with the goodness and grace and glory of Jesus. We pray this in your mighty name. We all said amen. 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 Love you guys. If you need some prayer, come on up.